Hey, everybody. I'm Kelly Ellers. I'm Jeffrey Lunnan. And this is Volume Up by The Tease. Whew, we have a good one today, Jeff. Super pumped. Super pumped. <laughs> it's going to be a great interview, uh, but lots of things happening in the world, yes. including the Super Bowl. I know so you did we... not watch the <laughs> no, Super No, I didn't watch a single. No, no, bowl. not a but single. But I feel like you're more moment. of like a puppy bowl. Did you? What, did they even still have that? I don't know. I don't. I don't. Know. I feel like people have taken over the puppy bowl <laughs> and they just post pictures of their own dogs. I don't. It might still exist on the Animal Planet. R.I.P. I like loving the aftermath of the Super Bowl. Like I'm loving Tom Brady hopping off the two million dollar casual boat. Had a little too much tequila. Security guard walking with him. I think it proves that he's like not a robot. Like. Giselle lets him out once a year, y'all, and this was it. <laughs> once you win a Super Bowl, you can enjoy some tequila. Uh, or seven. <laughs> fair, 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 fair. I saw the, like, it was up, it was down, and then it was just like, oh, yeah, they definitely won. And I think, yeah. did people expect Brady and the Bucks to win? The Buck guy? Um, yeah, so we're big into football here, mostly, not me. I mean, mostly because I have three boys. Well, one man, two boys. <laughs> And, um, you know, we were split 50, 50 Mahomes and Brady. And so I, I kind of wanted Brady to win just because he was like, I'm leaving this team. I'm going to start over mm -hmm. and I'm going to win a Super Bowl. Mm -hmm. And he just did. So he did it like that. No, like I mean, it, it, it's, it's yeah. pretty, pretty impressive. I did, however, watch the halftime show, yes. which was a sleeper. I don't know if it was yeah. a sleeper hit, a uh, <laughs> little snoozy performance from our guy, the weekend. Um, yeah, but he the was memes, all over the place. He, he was <laughs> he took a he took a they took a risk the nfl with him i, yeah. I don't know that i mean blinding lights is everywhere he's popular but i i don't know if he's halftime show ready yeah it's funny because i was reading this article about how we expect our female like super bowl halftime people to like absolutely crush it and then mm -hmm. the weekend was like all right he's good just like dancing around <laughs> in a red blazer and some i mean there were a like no costume blazer. changes like you God know sakes yeah, yeah. I, know. I mean <laughs> but what we did also enjoy for sure mm -hmm. was the commercials whether actually during the super bowl or post related to there were so many good ones my favorite is the klarna which i don't even know if i'm saying that right maya rudolph commercial where she was oh, four geez. different quarter-sized cowboys <laughs> uh which was amazing <laughs> She looked incredible. The costume design was like hair. Great. Maya Rudolph, a queen. All she's, about it. She's absolutely hilarious. I mean, it doesn't get any better. No, it doesn't. But there were other commercials. I mean, I'm sure we could talk about those. Yeah. So many. You guys can look them yes. up on YouTube. So happy Valentine's Day, or I hope you had a happy Valentine's Day. Sure. Yeah. We we actually, we're, we're going to. Uh, I got my daughter Buzz Lightyear. The like fancy mm -hmm. Buzz Lightyear that says a million different things because she's now obsessed with Toy yep. Story. How quickly we go from all right, you're in the Toy Story one, phase. Yeah, we're in the yeah. Toy Story phase. We're all about Buzz mm -hmm. Lightyear. Uh, so we're hoping that her mind is blown. I was thrilled to unbox it. I feel like she should be. So I'm assuming that I've had a good Valentine's Day because we got to cheer her up <laughs> with that. Are you right. doing stuff for the boys? A couple. Um, no, I feel like it's hard. I mean, there's. Yeah, I mean, yes, we'll do little kitschy things, but other than that, you know. Yeah. No. My mom, as a you know single parent, had two kids, would really spoil for Valentine's Day, like get like weird oh, candies and thing. like that was that was her yeah. like, so it was like, mom's my Valentine. I... <laughs> <laughs> 
How anyway. long was your mom your Valentine for? Like uh, well into college or? <laughs> <laughs> Definitely into my mid twenties. Um, <laughs> no, definitely. Your wife it was like a normal that. amount of time, but it was definitely okay. like a <laughs> like your kids' age, but it was not inappropriate. You weren't driving and no, drinking no. alcohol, still mom's no. Valentine. Okay. Yeah. 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 We hope that everybody else's Valentine's is as, as, as eventful, that your mom loves okay. you guys as much as my mom did. <laughs> I love that for you so much. Does she still send packages? <laughs> uh, occasionally, she'll mm-hmm. send some Valentine's. Mostly now it's transitioned to my daughter receiving yeah. weird Valentine's Day kitschy <laughs> shit. Um, you know, as it happens. Bless her. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. what grandma should do. If you liked our interview with celebrity groomer, salon owner, hair educator, all around stand-up guy, Kenny Duncan, make sure to subscribe, rate and review, and follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, TikTok, all of the places, at Read the Tees, and send questions to us at volumeup at thetees.com. Because we're still checking. Always. Send Jeffrey a Valentine email. <laughs> Maybe your mom Love will send mom. one. I was going to say. She Hi, would- Jeffrey. You're sounding great. Love, mom. <laughs> On today's episode, we interviewed the founder of Drybar, Allie Webb. She built a $100 million business on blowouts and styling. As of late, her entrepreneurial spirit has been showcased yet again with a new digital-focused jewelry brand backed by designer Meredith Quill. The brand is called Beckett and Quill 1T. I have been following and admiring and being inspired by Allie for a decade, Uh, and this was an interview of a dream interview of mine, if you will. And I was told to keep my cool. I think I did. I guess y'all can be the judge of that. (laughs) But I had an absolute blast talking to her about the power of a great blowout, her venture in product lines. And again, that new jewelry line that she launched just last week. I mean, talk about an industry icon. Like there are a few like her uh, pioneering in the space, as you said, gone on to do so many other things, some of which she's going to talk about. I mean, this is one that you guys are not going to want to miss. Before we get there, we have so much to talk about. Let's get started. Let's hear it, Jeff. Gorilla glue. Two words. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Although, <laughs> I mean, Shit's there's many strong. more words that are associated. That <laughs> I, I still can't get the woman out of my head. I saw today. I mean, by the time this comes out, it'll be old news. But she had emergency plastic surgery to remove the glue from her scalp, Dude. which, ah, that, that whole thing is so well, crazy. And I thought, like, being a gorilla glue novice i thought it just came in a squeeze bottle and i thought how did she do that but there's a spray yeah there's a A a heavy duty that's it's terrifying i mean that's horrifically dangerous because i would assume they had to wait for it to grow out unless it was bonded to her i don't know if this is true we'll have to be fact checked by someone please do add us in this regard um (laughs) i thought that it was on for like a month i thought that i I think it had been on for a long time Um, and she had already, she went to the ER at one point and had like acetone maybe, but just bad, 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 um, nightmare scenario. Uh, but I'm fascinated and I'm pleased to see that things are looking good today. So I wonder what Gorilla Glue's like social media team is like (laughs) battling, (laughs) right? Sucks for Um, them. Okay. One thing that I am LOLing so hard, I just can't, is have you seen, the attorney that gets on the mic on his Zoom. It's a court hearing in Texas. And this will certainly be old news by the time this airs, but he was a cat. And it literally has almost 
single-handedly made my 2021 aside from the interview with Allie. <laughs> and Important. the story is, is that he has hopped on his assistant's computer and one of her kids had changed the filter. And he was like, I'm here. I'm not a cat. And they were like, we can see that. Sir. <laughs> it was really good. It's really I mean, good. I feel like that's maybe as nightmarish as the gorilla glue. Like if you can't get the filter off and you're trying and you're in court and, and it you're looked a like cat, a sad like, cat. It was I sent it to one of my friends who's an attorney and he was like, I'm sitting right now outside a courtroom ready to get on a Zoom hearing. And now this is in my head. <laughs> Speaking of things that are in the news, our editorial team has been hard at work this week getting to the bottom of all of the things you guys care about, specifically Valentine's Day. Because again, right before yeah. this airs, it's Valentine's Day. So we've got all of the listicles, all of the roundups you can imagine, one of which I know you're into, Kelly. So tell us about which of the articles is your fave. As far as self-care is concerned, you know, I think it's an important thing. I never really call it self-care. I just call it like stuff you should do. But um, anyway, <laughs> some of that I loved were the way chill pills bath bombs. I mean, anything that Jen Atkins does, anything she touches turns to gold. So why don't you try that? And then I was so curious and interested that philosophy Amazing Grace just bubbled back up to the top again. It's been around for a long time. And I personally, it brings me back to like the good old days, early 20s. I like it. There's a lot of like throwback stuff in some of the the roundups, which is interesting. Yeah. There's like a Bath and Body Works recommendation, which I was Ooh. like, huh. But Yikes. yeah, the description has me convinced. So, you know. In addition to self-care, mm -hmm. there is a listicle of the best gifts to give that are hair related. Uh, so for the hair lover in your life, uh, it's a gender neutral list. Everything is broken down by hair type, which we thought was really fun. Uh, really too many products to consider, but really, is there enough? You know, when we're talking hair product, like I don't think one could have too many no. of any one thing. So go to that, take a look. Maybe it's after Valentine's Day. That's fine. Buy for yourself. We're all about it. Yeah. We are. And the last thing I'm all about is I love how some nail pros have really kind of transformed their business, their outlook, their offerings during COVID because they were hit hard. I mean, I'm still the, I was a regular every two week kind of gal and I really haven't been. And so you know, Alexandra Goodson, she created something called Always Pressed Nails and super cool idea, basically creating really funky, cool press on nails that she would start to send to her clients as a supplement and then turn it into a business. It's also a subscription based business as well now. So I think that's smart and I love it. And good for you, Alexandra. For sure. Check it out on the tease. Thank you to our hardworking editors. As always, there's a ton of stuff, tons of articles on the, the tease.com that you should check out. Uh, we are proud to bring you guys the content that both salon pros and consumers are really caring about. Yes. And now for the treat. I cannot wait for you to hear this interview because again, Allie Webb, a dream interview for me. She talks about catching lightning in a bottle with dry bar. Now she's helping another female entrepreneur because she has the ability to with her new digital first jewelry line called Beckett and Quill. So get ready. This is a great one. Um, thank you again, Allie, for being on the podcast.
Ali Webb is an entrepreneur, New York Times bestselling author, and co-founder of Dry Bar and Squeeze. After spending 15 years as a professional stylist, she left the industry in 2005 to start a family, but decided to find a way to continue pursuing the creative side of hairstyling at a new mom pace. She began offering in-home blowout services to her mom friends, which expanded into a mobile operation in 2009. In 2010, opened up the first dry bar in Brentwood, California. Almost 10 years later and 100 locations across the U.S., which is incredible. Um, dry bar has certainly exploded nationally um, and is certainly a sought-after brand. A couple credentials, so among many that you have, but Ali has been named one of the most 100 most creative people in business by Fast Company, featured on Fortune Magazine 40 Under 40 list, and recognizing her as one of the top young business women in the world and Marie Claire's most fascinating women. That's that's a pretty legit <laughs> um, credential rundown. Uh, but in addition to launching your podcast in 2018, Raising the Bar, which I'm a firm follower and subscriber of, to joining season 10 of Shark Tank, she then opened the doors to squeeze the latest extension of her brand. And I think today we might even get a sneak peek at something that's up and coming that's brand new. So, woo. I need a Thank breath you. after that. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. It's, it's always nice to hear that stuff. It's not really what I think about most of the time. So it's always nice to hear all that. You forget. Right. I mean, it's, uh, it's oftentimes you like reach a milestone and you're like, okay, that's behind me. Like what's next. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's true. You can't get mm -hmm. too like bogged down in that stuff. You gotta, yeah. You got It's like, it feels really good. And then you got to keep going. Yes. For sure. And I don't know how you've done it over all these years. I think even a couple of years back when you were kind of in the grind of, I would see you everywhere on Good Morning America and here and there, I was thinking to myself, what in the world must your travel schedule be? It Who used to you? be really bananas. I mean, yeah. when we first opened Dry Bar in 2010, I was like, you know, my life completely flipped upside down. And I was, I was, you know, I started traveling like a maniac and, you know, I went to the first 50 openings, first 50 dry bar openings, which was, Ooh. yeah, I mean, it was insane, but you know, not to mention, you know, to, to take a step back when we opened Brentwood, I worked literally seven days a week for yeah. probably six months, just because I was afraid to leave it. I, you know, I slowly started weaning off of Sundays and we'd work like half a day and then I would start taking Sundays off. And, you know, it was yeah. like, it was a really like slow progression. And, you know, cause it's like, when you have a baby, it's like, you just, you don't want to leave in the baby with anybody yeah. who's nervous. And so, yeah. And then, you know, and then as we continue to open more and more stores, I just was like constantly on the road opening stores, but I, I loved every second of it. And I was really lucky to have my mom around to take care of my kids when I was gone. And that pace, even though I stopped going to all the store openings, then, you know, we, we had launched product and like yeah. year three. And so I then started traveling tons for that because yeah. we were launching in Sephora and then we were launching in Nordstrom and, you know, and then Ulta and it was like all of those retailers had lots of needs. And, um, and so there was just like so much stuff and, yeah. and, and frankly, nothing, it really didn't slow down until COVID hit. And I was like, you know, I couldn't, mm -hmm. I had no choice. I couldn't travel anymore. Yep. Um, which, you know, for me, it was like a silver lining and being able to like take it breath and, and stop the crazy traveling. So, um, now I'm just different and in, in busy in different ways. Right. Yeah. I, it's interesting because on a much smaller scale, I mean, I started my agency about 11 years ago and I was five months pregnant with my first child at the time. And it was the heart of the lovely recession. And I remember, Ooh, the hustle was real. And a bit of that was like, I, I, a blur, right. All those mornings you left early and you know, the kids didn't necessarily know, but as a mom, you knew, right? Yeah. Well, my kids were two and four when I started dry okay. bar. 
there was a lot of conversations with my kids. I remember we were opening New York. My older son was like, mom, I don't understand why you have to open stores in New York. Can't you just have them in LA so you don't have to leave? Yeah. I mean, there was definitely a lot of like, why is mommy always leaving? But then they'd see me on TV and they'd get really excited. You know, it was really, I mean, my kids, my kids have grown up knowing this like huge part of our life that dry bar was and, and feeling very proud of it. You know, certainly a lot of sacrifices were made and, you know, some, some that I regret. Um, but ultimately the, you know, I think the kids are better for it. Um, you know, they, they really like understand and appreciate the hustle that me and dad, you know, made for all of us. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. So I want to start off talking a little bit about your beginning. So take us on a journey, your early days, a little bit before dry bar, what were your early career ambitions? What were you up to right out of high school? Well, I wasn't a great student and I didn't really have any desire to go to college, but I didn't like know what to do. Um, and I mean, really, truly like kind of perplexed by the whole thing. And, you know, I had girlfriends who were going, or all my friends were like going to college and like knew what they wanted to study. And I was like, how do you know? You know, I really didn't know. And, and I loved hair and I worked in hair salons when I was, when I was like in high school, I was a receptionist at a, the, like the mall hair salon. And I loved it because they would blow out my hair and my hair is super duper curly or it's not as curly as it used to be, but I grew up in also in South Florida where it was like humid. And so my curls were like twice as big and I didn't (laughs) like my hair. And I loved working in a hair salon because they would blow out my hair for free. And because I just loved the vibe. I loved the atmosphere. I loved the stylist. Like I loved it. And, you know, but I didn't pay attention to that love so much. And I, you know, just like anybody else coming out of high school, I was like, well, what am I going to do? And my parents had owned clothing stores. They're entrepreneurs too. And I thought like, maybe I, and I loved clothes and fashion style so much. So I thought like, maybe I'll do that. And so, you know, I was just really lost. And my parents had also taken us to New York a lot during high yeah. school, like for to Broadway shows. And my mm-hmm. parents are originally from um, like Long Island, New York. And so we spent a lot of time in the city and I fell in love with the city and like knew I would, knew it on some level that I would get back to New York some way. Anyway, so, but after high school, I did go to like traditional college for I mean, I guess a year, but I didn't really go to class because I didn't like, want to learn yeah. about it. I just, mm-hmm. I never really loved school. Mm-hmm. Even though I like learning about things, I didn't like traditional school. Yeah. And so I didn't really go. And, um, you know, I remember coming back and moving and like really like having a lot of heart to hearts with my parents and like my friends, like, what am I going to do? And so I decided to go to, I went to the Art Institute of Fort Lauderdale and I, got like a degree in fashion marketing or something. And I kind of thought that was like a good path for me. And then I moved to New York and I wanted to work in, in fashion and do all of that. And I worked for Nicole Miller and Cynthia Raleigh back in the Mm -hmm. day. It was like, they they were really big designers. This is like 30 years ago. And (laughs) I remember them. (laughs) Yeah. They had, you know, they were kind of a big deal back then. And so that was like an interesting path I was on. And then my brother, Mm -hmm. Michael, who's my business partner today, we, um, we were both happened to be working for Nicole Miller at the same time. I was like an assistant manager in the Soho store and Michael was working in corporate and he wanted to open up Nicole Miller boutiques back in South Florida where we were raised. So we moved back to Florida. We started doing that. And I, you know, at the ripe old age of like 21, found myself <laughs> r- managing two Nicole Miller boutiques, one in Meisner Park in Boca and then one in Miami. And you had any sense of that, that commute, that drive yeah. is hell, just like yeah. going from like LA to Orange County can take you two, three hours, you yeah. know, it's only technically like 45 miles away. <laughs> so I was fucking miserable. And I was like, this is not what I want to do with my life. I don't like this. And I, you know, and I kept like, there was this like kind of in the back of my mind, this thing, like, I really want to do hair, 
but I was like kind of embarrassed about it, I think. And my parents, I knew wouldn't like think it was like good. I don't know. I just didn't feel good about it. And, but finally I was like, I am at like my wits end here. This didn't work. So now what? So, you know, I did, I, I remember it was one of those like conversations you never forget where I had to go to my brother and say, I don't want to do this anymore. I want to, I think I want to go to beauty school and with my like tail between my legs. And my brother was like, I think that's a great idea. You know, you have always really loved hair. You're great with people. Like, I think you would, I think you would like do really well in that industry. And at that point I was like, I want to go to New York, back to New York. And I want to do like editorial and, you know, photo shoots and, you know, runway and all of that. And that was like my aspirations at that point. So I did go to beauty school and like walked into beauty school and I was in this like crappy school that doesn't even exist anymore. It was called like Overton <laughs> Academy, I think. And it's, it's literally gone. Um, I didn't go to like, I wish I had gone to like an Aveda mm-hmm. or a Mitchell, but they, I don't know if I didn't know about it or whatever, but I just enrolled in this beauty school, completely fell in love with it. And, you know, so began my, my hair career. I worked at a salon um, and John Peters and Boca Raton and this guy had taught me everything, you know, mm-hmm. about hair and, um, and, and he had such an interesting style and he, you know, even though I was really just there to learn about hair because he was the owner of the salon, I learned about, I, and I wasn't paying attention to this. It was just like one of the things that was like, I was getting by osmosis. It was like yeah. him running a salon and like, yes, I was always coming up to him and talking about their issues and just how the thing ran. And I did, again, I didn't like pay any attention to it really. However, it would come to serve me much obviously later in life. And, you know, and so I did that for a while. And then once I, you know, got my license and got like comfortable, I moved to New York city and I back to New York city and I worked for Johns Hogg, who also is like a name, you know, hairstylist mm-hmm. that are in my age probably know because he was the pioneer of dry cutting and yeah. he was like it and all the celebrities went to him and I was like determined to work for him. And I did end up getting a job um, at Johns Hogg. And then you know, I, I did that for a couple of years and, and, you know, like a true mid 20 year old, I was like, yeah, I don't think I'm going to do hair anymore. And I remember like going into John's office and telling him I was quitting and he was like, why? Like, you shouldn't quit. You're really good at this. Like you should stick with this. And I was like, yeah, no. And I had a couple of friends who worked at Rogers and Cowan and that seemed like a lot more fun. It was a you know, huge PR firm with huge yep. celebrities. And I thought that would be fun. And so I, I did that and I started at the bottom again. And I became the assistant to the guy who ran the music department. And, and that again was another really important like stop on my journey because I, I loved it. You know, it was like super fun. I like, I like the assistant kind of role. Cause I like, okay. I, I'm such a people pleaser. And so I did that for a couple of years. I met Cam, my ex-husband in, um, in that time in my life. And we got, you know, we lived in New York through nine 11 and we lived in, you know, I ended up living in New York basically all through my twenties um, until I was about 30. Then we moved to, to the West coast. Um, we had two kids and I yeah. became a stay-at-home mom, which I thought was like the best gig ever. And I was so happy. I was like, I don't have to work, you know, but then I realized staying home mm-hmm. with one kid was like with one, when my first son was born, Grant, and it was just him and I, like that was a dream and it was so mm-hmm. easy. And then you add a second kid to that. And it's like really not easy anymore. Now you're yeah. like having to watch two kids potentially yes. always going in different directions. Um, and I was like, I, I love my children, you know, fiercely, but I want to do something for myself. And I missed, I longed for like, I got to go do something for myself. I feel like my brain is like, you know, not being used. And I just was like, kind of starting to feel really frustrated and like stir crazy. So I started thinking about starting this mobile blowout business and I knew I could, I could manage my life pretty well. If I, if I had this blowout business where I was like, 
go, my whole premise was like, I'll come to your house when your baby's sleeping. And, and because I had just moved to LA when I had my first son, I was very immersed in the mommy community. That was really all I knew in LA were like other moms. And it really, frankly still is. I, you know, I was, I was, you know, very acquainted with lots of moms. And I started, I posted on this like mommy blog group. It was like a young group. And I said, Hey, I'm, I'm a stay at home mom, longtime hairstylist. I'm thinking of starting a mobile blowout business. You know, would anybody be interested? It was called straight at home. Oh, and cute. yeah, it's a cute name, right? Sure enough, I got calls, you know, I was like, I'm going to charge 40 bucks to 20 okay. super easy. And, you know, you know, going to someone's house back then now it was, you know, it was like, you couldn't pay under a hundred dollars for that. So, you know, the fact that I was only going to charge 40 bucks, like I got mm-hmm. busy really fast. And yeah. You know, and, and, and thank God, like it all happened the way it did, because during that time, it was, I would say it was almost a year that I was operating that business. I got so busy so fast. And it was like hmm. every, everybody I went to, you know, they always usually loved their hair and then they would tell their friends and then their friends would call me. And it was like the snowball effect. And I was like, I was saying no way more than I was saying yes, but it was super fun and exciting. And, you know, I think that's like the part of a building a business that I really love is like that initial, like, is it going to work and are people yeah. going to like it? And, um, and so, you know, I got really busy and I, and that's when I kind of realized like, I'm, I'm at an interesting point here. Do I bring people on mobily and have like my business expand that way? But then I was like, well, I really can't control the experience. And I didn't want to do that. I wanted to open a place where instead of me going to them, they, they would come to okay. me. And so I, that's when I went to my brother and was like, Hey, I, I kind of want to turn my mobile business into a you know, brick and mortar. And he like had been watching and knew that I was having a little bit of success on my own and, um, and thought it was a really great idea. Cam, my now ex-husband also, he's an advertising genius, super creative. And he's the one who created all the brand for dry bar. And he's obviously amazing. You know, he, he kind of thought everything is a bad idea just as creatives do, but he was like, you know, you get your nails done all the time. And I never noticed it, but when you get your hair done, it's like the first thing I notice. Hmm. you know, which is also very reminiscent to me of what my father always said growing up, like, you know, the hair is the frame of mm-hmm. your face, you know I mean? And so I, everybody in my, like that I really trusted in my life thought this was a great idea. And in addition to like all my, my clients who were like, yeah, if you open a place where people could come for blowouts, like I'd be there all the time, especially if you make it affordable. Because yeah. again, when we started dry bar, it was like their hair salons that were, you know, charging, upwards of like 75 to $150 for a black because the stylist wanted that hour to do cut and color, they make more money or the discount chains, like the fantastic Sam's of the world, which are great businesses, but like not the place that you want to go. And so that's where I was like, man, there is massive hole here and nobody's doing this. Like, why is nobody doing this? You know? And so I felt like I was very uniquely qualified to do it. And it got my brother to, you know, invest a lot of money and gave me sweat equity. It was when I learned the term sweat equity and, you know, and I was going to be in the trenches and I was going to be in the stores every day doing the work. And that's, you know, really how the whole thing, you know, started. I mean, that's a pretty quick timeline. It's funny. I'm in the process right now of writing like my memoir, a book Mm -hmm. about like my whole process. And, you know, and I very quickly like sped up that process but <laughs> yeah oh, it's not a lot for, the, for the book and it's just you know it's such an interesting I, I so there you know when you look back at your life and the you know all the stops that we make it's like they all really informed who I mm-hmm. became what I ended up doing so yeah that's that's really how it all started yeah I mean it is those stops so from like retail management to salon work to PR like yeah. you had some really good foundational building blocks to be able to understand multiple facets of the business. Do you remember which friend that the very first client or which friend was like, yeah, come over and give me a blow dry? My best friend, Paige, um, you know, who's who's still, you know, we've been friends for 
you know, we met at like a breastfeeding breastfeeding support group in Santa Monica <laughs> conversation. You know, she, she had really curly hair. So I would always blow yeah. out her hair. And, you know, we started talking about this as an idea and, she, you know, she, yeah, she was like one of my first friends to be like, yeah, you should totally do this. Like I, mm-hmm. you know, crazy. I think I read somewhere that you said it was like catching lightning in a bottle, right? It was just like the well, that, idea. No, that's what I it mean, felt like when we opened, yeah. you know, the first location in, in Brentwood. And it was like, it was, there was, it was 2010. So it was the middle of a recession. Yeah, was, and, you know, people were just like obsessed with it and lining up and, and we could not, we could not meet all the demand. And it was so crazy. And I think, you know, yeah, I've said that a lot, catching lightning in a bottle, because mm-hmm. it was like everything lined up, you know, like the stars mm-hmm. aligned. Like there was Cam who, who like was such a creative genius and like, you know, and I remember like the process and, you know, and this is great advice for anybody starting a brand. It was like, he would, he, anytime he was like def- making a brand, defining a brand, he would always look at what everybody else was doing and he would mm-hmm. do something, you know, and that was kind of what he did with Drybar. You know, it was like, it would, it's a very female focused brand. It's very feminine, you know? What, what, and so that normally you would think it's like, it's pink and it's very dainty. Yep. And and there is elements of that to the dry bar brand, but it was like the, the website was gray and it was, and I remember people being like, why are you making it dark gray? I'm like, and he was like, cause it looks cool. You know, it's like, and, and then there was pops of yellow that felt like very bright and, you know, and sunny and that, you know, I, I always felt like, you know, Cam really designed the brand a lot around my personality, which makes sense. There's darkness and there's light, yeah. you know, it's like, but, uh, but, you know, it's like a very sunny California mm-hmm. brand and, and that's really what it evoked. Um, and so that, yeah, it was like, he was that my brother is this like a brilliant business mind. He had, you know, connections to this amazing architect who okay. happened to be available, who had really only done like, you know, million dollar houses and massive hotel projects. And he was like this Harvard grad. I mean, he's just genius, but he happened to be available to do this with us. And still to this day, you know, builds dry bars. And the, the, the fact that we were able to all come together, mm-hmm. none of us were getting, were, were paying ourselves. Like we were just so focused on this business. Um, and just seeing if we could make it work. So it really did feel like we were capturing lightning in a bottle and it was, and it's, it's hard to do. I mean, I'm almost impossible if you're trying, right? <laughs> yeah, it really is. Um, you know, it's like, you can't, yeah. I mean, it's like, it is a little bit of luck and then it lo- it's timing and hard work. And it's just, you know, yeah. I mean, we, in some ways we got lucky, but but yeah, it was just, you know, what a dream come true. Yeah. How did you handle um, competitors and copycats popping up? I mean, did that drive you nuts or it you were too? <laughs> In the beginning, it really drove me nuts. Yeah. Because, you know, I was such, and I still am, I'm such an open book and I would talk about everything to anybody. And, you know, and what was happening is like, I didn't realize this at the time, but you know, I was talking to clients. I was, oh, like I said, I was always at the shop the first shop and then always there, you know, just always around. And I would talk to clients. I loved, mm-hmm. it was part of what I loved about the business. And I would tell them like, similar to what I just told you. And I would just tell them the story and then I, you know, and whatever. And sure enough, copycats started popping up. I even got like a letter from a woman who had opened a competitor brand in another city. And <laughs> she sent me this long, like very like clearing her conscious kind of like, you were so gracious and spent so much time talking to me about your business. And I've opened up my own now and blah, blah. And I was like, wow, you know, that was, I remember that being just very shocking. I wish I still had that letter. I can't, yeah. I can't but I can't find it. It was so many years ago, but yeah. So that made me crazy. And I would, mm-hmm. you know, and I would, and there was a couple that opened up really close to us. And I remember like driving by them mm-hmm. and being really nervous, you know? But I'll tell you what I realized pretty quickly 
was that like, it was hard to duplicate what we were doing and it back to the lightning in a bottle, you know, mm -hmm. it's like, you know, people were looking at dry bar, it, like this is a very opportunistic business. Like you can hire some stylists, paint some walls and get some blow dryers and like, boom, you have a mm. blow bar, which sure in some instances you do, but you know, I know how hard it is to like train stylists uh, because we, and by the way, we've trained an industry. I mean, right now, you know, before pre COVID we had 4,000 employees and, but wow. I mean, probably like, I, I don't even know what the number is. It's like, you do the math on how many, you know, how many have come in and out. And, and we were teaching stylists who were coming out of beauty school who never got training on blow drying, how to blow dry hair, you know, cause mm -hmm. they, they, you learn basics, you know? I mean, mm -hmm. I, I went to, like I mentioned, a kind of a crappy beauty school, <laughs> you know, schools like Aveda and Paul Mitchell, um, you know, are doing it better now, but you, historically you're not really taught how to style hair. Yeah. So we had to teach that we would have, you know, some stylists who were fresh out of beauty school and some stylists who had been in the industry and, but they were kind of at the same skill level for the most part in terms of blowout. So we were, you know, we were training an industry on how to do that. And, and, and yeah, I mean, it was, it was such a crazy time and, um, and I would get really worried about mm. the competition um, but I knew that we had this like unique point of difference that I really understand hair so well. And I could, I could look out into, you know, a busy shop and I could tell who was unhappy and I could tell which stylists were struggling. And I could tell like where I would need to step in, which eventually became a training manager job and all of that. But I understood the business so uniquely well that, you know, if, if like just a really ambitious businesswoman started a dry bar or a blow dry bar, it would be, it's just harder, which is kind of a case in point because so many of them have gone out of business because yes. it's not, or they've then added cutting and coloring or they have added makeup to supplement for the fact that the, the blow dry business isn't enough because it's fucking hard, you know, yeah. and it's a lot of work and it's a lot of training, you know, and, and that's just the half of it is like, you know, the fact that the blowouts have to be good, but then the customer service has to be good and the whole experience, it's like so much, you know, and, and the, and the competition largely doesn't, didn't seem to get that, um, you know, some, some brands did it better than others. And even, but even though I was annoyed and frustrated that that was happening, it did raise awareness overall for the category, which was the silver lining in it because yeah. was to, to my surprise, there were so many women out there who'd never even heard of a blowout, you know, and they didn't have curly hair and they could kind of manage their own hair. And the girls that like had hair that grew straight out of their head, like those girls are not my favorite. <laughs> I was just very, I was jealous of that kind of hair. Yeah. I, always, I always wished for that kind of hair. I mean, thank God I didn't have it, you know, but so, you know, it turned out that like there was, a you know, a much bigger percentage of women out there had never even like heard of a blowout. And I remember explaining it like, you know how you go and get your hair cut and then the stylist does your hair and it looks better than it ever looks. And they're like, yeah, I'm like, that's just the end of that is blowout. And that's what you get at dry bar. And so, you know, that was, you know, what we were, we were kind of educating the, the, the consumer and then all the other ones that popped up for the most part would help us get the word out about that. Mm -hmm. The only problem was that people would like, I mean, the, the amount of lawyer fees that we spent on like cease and desist letters for people calling themselves, you know, like Sally's dry bar. And then people think it's our, us and it's not us. And that was a whole thing too. So yeah, lots of mixed feelings. <laughs> no. Yeah. I mean, there's probably nothing that's more irritating than, you know, like you catch the lightning and then you're like, Oh really? You're going to do this too. So I can, yeah. I can see at some point it's sort of maddening, but then you also have to kind of let it go. And I think you were so far ahead of the curve and so scalable, right. That um, at least the dry bars I've been into in different markets, it's, you can't tell what city you're in. It's just such yeah. a scalable experience, which I love that. I mean, yeah. that's, I have heard that from a lot of women who say like, whether mm -hmm. they're in LA or New 
New York or DC or whatever, where it's, you, you can't physically tell when no. you're in a dry bar. The best compliment I can ever get about dry bar is that like, I, I travel all around and I've been to, you know, 25 of your stores and it's always a great experience. Yeah. Always like a little dip. My hair is always a little different, but it's always great. You know? And, and I hear that luckily a lot. Was the to- original, like the actual blowout technique, did that come straight from your hands? Yeah. <laughs> That's yours. Yeah. Like, I mean, yeah. you know, it's, it's been like refined and changed. You know, I, it, what's funny is that like, we've really like initially broke down for our stylist, like how to do all these things. And I'm a very like not rule type of person, but what we realized was like stylists who never had real training on how to do blowouts, like they, they have to start at square one and like yeah. understand why we do the things that we do. You know, I don't blow dry hair a lot, really the way we've taught it because I just have the experience of doing it for so many years. I can kind of skip steps. Okay. So it's been a challenge to get stylists to like understand the fundamentals of what, what, what we're doing and how we're teaching it. And then now that you got that now go, and now you don't have to like do every step. So there's a, there's a lot of nuances in there, but yeah, it all, you know, originated from my brain. Yeah. That's awesome. (laughs) Okay. So then introducing the product lines. So I can assume that was also a a scalable factor, making sure that you had the right products. And it's interesting because my brother was at Procter & Gamble in the salon pro side for a long time. And I remember like 10 years ago or so, he was like, there's like, or like right when you were starting, there's like this concept, it's called dry bar and we're looking at it at PNG. And I was like, oh, that sounds so crazy. Um, and so I can imagine keeping kind of that quality control on the products was a big part too. Yeah. I mean, the products, you know, came about because I felt like we needed to use something that was like very specific for blowouts. It wasn't too heavy and like worked with other products and like all the different brands I had initially didn't do that. So we, that's why I wanted to start you know, our own line. And it was never like, oh, let's start this so we can turn around and sell it. You know, sure. I mean, we, we sold it last year, luckily before the world fell apart. Um, but it was just like, a, it was just like, a, you know, a, a passion project for me, mm-hmm. you know, to create products that really worked. And, you know, it was because women, when they would get a blowout and dry bar, they wanted to like either be able to duplicate it, yeah. keep it for as long as they, you know, could. And then, you know, and you know, there's a good gajillion different hair types. So then creating different, you know, all the different things. And so, yeah, that really became a super fun project for me and very daunting. You know, I remember when oh, we were, I can't we were launching the product, I was like, yeah, man, if people don't like this, it's really going to suck and what's going to happen, you know, but luckily it, it, it worked. And, you know, and I was really lucky to have, you know, a lot because we had, I think we had like maybe, I don't know, somewhere between 10 and 20 stores at the time. So we had a lot of stylists around to help test stuff, you know, so I would get product to the point where I liked it enough. And then I would send it into the shops without me and let them say whatever they wanted to say and give feedback. And then that was a, you know, we were able to get the products, you know, to the best they could be because we would get such great and valuable feedback. So you mentioned, you mentioned before the world is in, before the pandemic or whatever, whatever we're still in. Um, When you saw that coming last March, last April, what were your thoughts about like bracing for that? Did you ever assume it would get to a level of shutdown that we were at? (laughs) No, I mean, it's still so, yeah, it's so surreal. I mean, Mm -hmm. you know, our shops were open seven days a week. So it was like, you know, to be shut down. Yeah. It's just inconceivable really, you Mm -hmm. know, I mean, and, and, 
And, you know, even when we, we opened again and then we closed again, and now we're opening again, um, even now, you know, the experience is not the same because, you know, part of the, 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 like the, the beauty and the magic of dry bar is like, you're in there, your friends are there, the music's going, the blow dryers yeah. are going loud. It's like crazy. And now it's like, we have to, you know, we're spaced out every other chair and there's like partitions and it's like, oh, it's so heartbreaking, mm-hmm. you know, but hopefully, yeah. So no, I wasn't prepared for it. None of us were. And, you know, we mobilized as quickly as it could. And I did a gajillion, you know, hair tutorials to try to show people how to do their hair at home. You know, we're getting back and we'll, we'll eventually hopefully get back to more normalcy. Um, but yeah, I mean, just, just so, I mean, just such a, you know, horrible yeah. time to be in retail, you know, brick mm-hmm. and mortar retail, but yeah. You know, and hope, you know, lasting through it is a certainly going to be a testament of the strength of the brand, certainly. And, yeah. you know, I hope that people will come back in full force when it's safe to and be more excited to get their hair done, get blowouts more often, actually go out, you know, have a reason. Well, to- and I think that is, that is like, the, you know, the fingers crossed. I think people yeah. are going to be just so anxious to get back out and do like get back into their old routine that. Mm-hmm. I think we'll see that, you know, start to really lift again. We'll see, you know, it's, I know it's, so up it's crazy. Yeah. Like the weekends it's, it's like, I'm, I'm just bored. I know. <laughs> like I broke really out last hard. night for the Super Bowl. I was like, I'm going to bust out that air fryer that I've had for six months and never used. And I was <laughs> like, this is awful. Like, <laughs> I but I did it. <laughs> challenging. I know it. I know it. Any, like what, I guess pivoting a little bit into like 2021 and kind of where we're going, any, anything on the horizon for both dry bar or squeeze, we didn't talk much about squeeze, but happy to kind of hear how that brand came to fruition yeah. as well. I mean, you know, squeeze is also gearing back up to open. I think we're opening next week, which will be, you know, mid February. Yeah. I mean, squeeze was off to such a great start. You know, it's a beautiful concept, yeah. same founding team as dry bar, same architect cam did all the design. Yeah. I mean, uh, kind of branding and you know the the you know the the like Yelp reviews were all five stars like all five stars which awesome. is unheard of yeah. um the, you know the concept's so great because it's it is a brick and mortar but you do everything on the app like uber postmates you book on the app you tip on the app um so you're done with your massage and you just like you know kind of float out um so yeah so that's opening again and you know as far as like this year goes you know as you kind of know I'm about to launch a new business which Again, I don't know what, when exactly this airs, but we're launching tomorrow, um, which is, you know, something I'm really excited about. My, um, I discovered this jewelry brand, this woman named Meredith Quill about mm-hmm. a year ago, and somebody had sent me a necklace of hers and I fell in love with it. And then I looked her up on, on Instagram and I started following her and I posted about the necklace and she smartly reached out to me and said, um, said, you know, Amazing. I, I want to send you more stuff. And she started, you know, so smart. And which is my philosophy too, is like, give the first one away free all day long yeah. to get somebody invested in the brand. And so she had, you know, she, I, she started, she, she would post pictures of her wearing jewelry. And I was like, I want that. I want that. Mm-hmm. And but the beauty of what she was doing is like the things that she, her jewelry looks and feels so high end, but it doesn't have yeah. the high end price tag. Cause she's figured out how to like do things that are like gold plated or use a white sapphire instead of a diamond, but you wouldn't know it's not a diamond. So you're getting like, you know, what she, what she's done so well is be able to make things look and feel expensive, but not have the expensive yeah. price tag. And I was like, I remember when she first sent me something, I was like, but this packaging isn't good. And this name isn't good. So like, you need some help, but like, do I want to do this? And I kind of hemmed and hawed over the last year of like, if I really wanted to make this big investment and do this, but I love jewelry so much. Yeah. And 
like a blowout or a massage, like getting a little piece of jewelry is such a pick me up. And like, as you know, as women, like we love it, you know? And, and I was like, if you could buy like a $150 necklace versus a thousand dollar necklace, you'll do that pretty right. regularly. And it's the same kind of philosophy of dry bar. It's like, if you can get like, you know, $45 blowout, you'll do that more often. You know, if it's going to cost you $150, you're not going to do it. And so it's the same kind of premise here. And I loved how like it's so well, it dovetails so well into like what I feel like I've become about, which is just, like affordable luxury. Um, you know, cause I can, I can probably afford to buy, you know, more jewelry than a lot of people can, but I don't want to do that. I want, mm-hmm. I love a deal. Like I want, I don't want to, you know, and I'm not going to you know, spend tons of money on jewelry because it breaks, changes, trends it, change. yeah, all mm-hmm. it trends change, all yeah. that stuff. So, anyways, I got really excited and and felt really bullish about this concept. So I got Cam, my ex husband, um, who obviously I'm on great terms with, to like design, redesign the brand. It's called Beckett wow. and Quill, um, one T. And you know, it's it's Meredith Quill is Meredith's last name. Her grandmother's maiden name is Beckett. And she was really inspired by her grandmother. That's kind of her love of jewelry came, you know, and I was like, you know, this is just like, we're not like looking to take over the world and it's not about money. It's more just about like, this is a great way to give women a quick pick me up with, you know, a piece of jewelry they can afford or send to their friend. And, you know, I just love it. It's so feel good and happy. And so I, you know, it's been, and it's been really fun to build a business again. And, and another like full circle thing that's really fun about it is like I mentioned, my brother put up all the money for dry bar and I had sweat equity. And now I've put up all the money back in quill and Meredith has sweat equity, which is like, what if, what a fun, like, you know, 11 years later starting this new brand where I'm like Michael and, and it's fun, you know, as much as I, you know, Michael's not involved in this business, but cheering me on from the sidelines. And it's like, I am very much in the driver's seat, you know, in in partnership with Meredith, but it's a really fun exploration for me and the business, my entrepreneurial journey. So I'm really excited. So yes, Beckett and Quill. Beckett and Quill. Okay. So do you want to know something funny is that I own several pieces of her jewelry because of you. Um, and I, in fact, messaged her a couple of weeks ago, like, where's the store? I need to buy some gifts. And she's like, we're redoing it. And I'm looking her up on Etsy. Where'd she go? Yeah. (laughs) And I DM'd her off the the map because we know in in order to launch. Yeah. Yes. So that is crazy. Cool. I love that. Um, because yeah, she's like, we're, I'm, I'm just Re- redoing some things. We'll be back in full force. And yeah, I'm like trying to keep it on the down low yeah. to like, you know, really relaunch it and to focus on this. So, so I'm so happy to hear that. I mean, that, oh. you know, she said that it's, it's really sweet. I mean, how she's like, she was listening to my podcast, like way before I knew her. And she would say like, I, you know, it's funny. I mean, I'm sounds weird when I explain it, but she was like, say like, Oh, I, I would love it if Allie loved my jewelry and wanted to go in business with me. And she's like, I swear I manifested this. I mean, it's really funny how she talks about it. And I didn't, I think she said that like we were doing it when she was on my podcast, raising the bar and she was, you know, it's like, she's told some stories that I didn't even know, but it's really cool how it came full circle. And she said, when I would post about it, she'd get a lot of orders, sure. and, yeah. you know, which largely how we're going to do a lot of our marketing, mm-hmm. you know, if we've sent to like, you know, I've accumulated such an amazing list of women and friends, you know, over the last 10 years and we're sending stuff out and we're, you know, hoping that that, you know, is one way to start, you know, drumming up business. So how amazing. Well, I'm excited. That's going to be great. And I'll be one of the first people on the shop, the store. Hopefully it doesn't crash when oh it goes God. live. <laughs> Hopefully it does. That'd be a good problem to have. And, it, and it's like, you know, I'm really excited about it and I'm like, fingers crossed it does well and people love it. And, you know, it's like, you know, there, I do worry about like people being like, you know, you have this massive success, successful brand and like, hopefully this one 
feels good too. So yeah, it feels a little vulnerable, but I mean, it's the next nice step for you, right? I mean, it is, it's, you know, it's it's a point in my life where, you know, it's, I feel so lucky to be able to pursue this, like really what is a passion project um, with, you know, something and, and Meredith is like me, you know, 11 years ago, um, because she's the designer and she's the, really the visionary. I mean, I love jewelry and I, we, you know, we come up with a lot of ideas together, but you know, she's really like the talent in this, you know, and she's the, and so it's fun to just kind of be in a different position than I was. I, I, you know, I knew hair, my brother didn't. Um, and, and so she knows jewelry and yeah, you can be there for, yeah, I think her designs are amazing too. And I think you hit, he hit it with that price point because yes, you could buy like a, like a necklace like this, right. Um, for $500, but you might wear it a couple of times. It might change. So I think having the ability to have them at that price point, it's going to hit a different market. That's not out there right now. We're kind of at the spot where we do quick takes at the end, which are just like five quick questions and there's no right or wrong answer. (laughs) Um, Some of them are kind of strange. So we'll just get your feedback here. So um, we ask all of our guests this and I'll start with the first one. Okay. Bar soap or body wash? Body wash. We actually had somebody say bar soap the other day and I've never... It's me. Leaves your skin feeling so squeaky and weird. I do it not. It took me, or at least I haven't found one I like. Uh, okay, one product. Oh, this could be a good plug. <laughs> one product you're loving right now. <laughs> it doesn't have to be yours. It can be any product, kitchen product, lifestyle. I, I mean, I have so many things that I love right now. Um, you know what product I really love right now? Um, I really like. I I've gotten really into my lashes. Like I love lashes, and I used to get like, lash extensions, but I don't anymore. I mean, you probably can't tell on the Zoom, but there's a mascara by Say. Am I saying it right? S A I. Um, I'm gonna look it up really quick. And I'm like obsessed with this mascara because I feel like it completely lifts my brows. My not my brows, my lashes. You know, uh, I did the extensions. Too. Yeah, S A I E. Beauty. Okay. They make the best mascara. They okay. have a lot of their products, but I'm obsessed with their mascara. And I was just thinking today, I need to get another one of those. So that's probably it. All right. I like it. I had the extensions for a long time too, and they look so good, but they're yeah, so Yeah, but then one falls out and you're like screwed and then you can't, yeah, no, I couldn't. Or then you, you change your whole sleeping pattern. I like how you, <laughs> it's, it's a mess. Um, okay. What are you streaming right now? Whether it's Music, podcasts, <laughs> Netflix. You know what? We're um, we're really. I know this is weird, but the show, The Good Doctor. Yes, that I've seen it. It's yes. so good. It's like it is. about a, an autistic doctor, I and it, I literally laugh out loud and I literally cry almost every mm-hmm. single episode. It is so good, and it's just so good. I know it's like a you know it's like a network show, and I feel like you know Netflix has all the cool shows. And it, I mean, we did the whole the, what was the chess girl, the girl, the chess girl. Oh, um, what was that? We did that, whatever that's yeah, called. I know um, what you mean. But I'm we're like really committed to the good doctor right yeah. now. I think it's interesting because they it they put a different lens on um autism and kind of how somebody is processing information so differently with their Queen's Gambit. You're right. Sorry. Um yeah, no, it's very true. Yeah. And it's like it really it also feels like very hopeful to me that like and, and maybe I, maybe I've clung to it so much because, you know, I was like an underachiever and I didn't, I don't have a traditional background and I was really successful despite all that. And, you know, people look at this kid, like he's autistic. He can't communicate well with patients and whatever, but like he's making it happen. It's just very inspiring. I love it. I agree. Okay. Real talk words of advice for pros that want to get to the top of our industry. I think, you know, there's a, you know, the top means so many different things to so many different people. You know, it's like, I, I personally have a lot of friends 
both dry, you know, dry bar employees or ex-employees, you know, and then I, you know, friends like Jen Atkin and Chris McMillan and people who are like, you know, at the top of their game. And, and again, top is like very objective, but I'll tell you the thing that I find that we all have in common who've like had, you know, quote unquote success is like, uh, you work your fucking ass off. There is a thing in this industry that is like, oh, when you pay me more, I'll work harder. Or like, I'll do that. That's not my job. Like that mentality Oh, there's nothing that I hate more than that. And I'll tell you the people who I know who are successful are the ones who will like do anything, you know, it's like, you know, there's no job too small. I mean, we were starting dry bar. Like I cleaned the bathrooms. I shampooed hair. I cleaned the floors, the floor. I mean, there's nothing I wouldn't do. And I know that that is true of Jen Atkin, who's a friend of mine and, you know, and all these other hairstylists who like, we paid our dues. Like we did that. We did all of that stuff and nothing was handed to us. And, you know, I spent years and years and years as an assistant um, in the hair industry years, you know, and then I moved to New York and I did it again, you know, and it's like, there is that mentality of like, you just, you know, you'll do anything. You'll make yourself like you know, indispensable to somebody, you know, and I think that is the best piece of advice I can give to hairstylists. Like, you know, make people want you so bad because you're, you're, you're willing to do anything and you're good at every, you know, you can, you keep, you keep trying to get better in all areas, you know, from the way you talk to people, the way you treat people, the way you act, like learning more and more, like all of that is such, is so huge in my Great. That's awesome. And then finally, 2021 predictions for our industry. Predict, predict us something good. <laughs> I, I really think that we're going to, you know, I think it's going to be towards the latter half of the year, yeah. you know, but I think that like the industry is going to see a major like uptick and, you know, boom with like, you know, w- women going back to hair salons, men going back to hair salons, people just wanting to get, get back into it. So I think, you know, it's like, hold on, it's coming. Yeah. I really do think it is. I think it's just going to take a little bit of time, but I think people are going to be out in droves. So, yeah. you know, I do believe there's a light at the end of this crazy tunnel. I do too. So before we wrap up, let us know where our listeners can find you and Beckett and Quill and all of the things that you're up to. Yeah. Um, probably the best place is my Instagram. It's just Allie Webb, A-L-L-I-W-E-B-B. Um, and Beckett and Quill is Beckett and Quill, one T, um, but it will all live on my, you know, my little hub of Instagram is probably the best place to find me. Um, you can also listen to my podcast, Raising the Bar, which has you know, lots of different entrepreneurs of all walks of life. And Meredith's episode is um, airing on the 14th on 214. So you can hear our whole story from us telling it too. So yeah. Do you have a favorite piece that I must buy first? You know, I think one of my favorite pieces is we have these like the black heart, but we also have this like floating heart that I really love. Um, It's just like a floating heart. And then there's matching floating heart jewelry. I mean, earrings that I really love to use. Those are probably my favorites right now. It kind of I'll be there. I'll be there tomorrow. Yeah, you're the (laughs) (laughs) This was so fun. This was an honor. Tomorrow is my birthday. And I feel like this is my birthday present to me interviewing you. Um, Happy birthday. (laughs) Thank you. I have followed you for years and look up to you as a businesswoman. So thank you. Okay, so Jeff, I gotta, you know, if you listen to the interview, you knew or you learned that. I had also interacted with Meredith Quill, mostly because I saw Allie Webb wear her jewelry and I'm influenced by her. And so I bought the jewelry and then this magical partnership happened. I feel like I'm part of it, but clearly I was not, but I do have some beautiful jewelry. I ordered three or four more pieces. So, you know, can't wait 
can't wait to keep being a patron of Beckett and Quill. For sure. And we'll drop some links into the show notes so you guys can check all of that stuff out. I mean, what an interview. I had a blast listening to you guys. It was like being a fly in the wall of a very fun combo. <laughs> uh, but I mean, I, Ali's an icon. Like, what is there to say that hasn't been said? I mean, you've it's the dream. And we were so happy to have chatted with her and thank her for her time. I agree. The hustle is real with that gal. And again, admired you from afar for very long. Thank you for your time with us and to everyone who listened. Be sure to hit subscribe, rate, and review, and follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and TikTok at Read the Tease, and send questions in to Jeffrey at volumeup at com. I hope Looking your mom for your is Valentine's. I was going to say, let's hope not. Uh, yes. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Volume Up is a Tease Media production. This episode was produced by Monica Hickey and Stephen Chatteran. Thank you to our creative team, Kay Reynolds and Haley Hefner, for putting together the graphics for this episode, and to Josh Landowski for editing so that you guys can watch and listen on YouTube.